Hey everyone, I'm Don Saladino. And I'm Zach Ziegler. And we are here at Muscle and Fitness Reps with my really good friend, Ben Pakulski from Tampa, MI40 Gym. Um, we're gonna have some great discussions today on a little bit of training, but more about what's going on in here and in, and here. in here, which is way more important. So looking forward for everyone um, tuning in and uh, fire off any questions you might have and we will be sure to get back to you, thanks. If you're on a ski trip and you have access to nothing, just making this up, mm -hmm. and it's either fast or eat something that's of a little lower quality, even if you find a chicken breast and some, and some greens, but it's not necessarily from a good quality source, you would rather fast? So I think, I would, depending, like depending on where my training was, what my goal was, um, I think if you're in a caloric deficit and you're not taking in a massive amount of toxins, your body has the capacity to deal with the toxins that come with the crappy chicken breast or the crappy vegetables, right? It's all about toxic burden. Like where's the burden in your life? Identify it and then start to eliminate and remove it. So if you're in a caloric deficit, you know that the amount of toxins coming in will be at least balanced with the amount of toxins going out, right? Ideally, the amount of toxins coming in is less than what your body is able to handle in excretion. So I'm always considerate of how can I increase my body's ability to excrete through increasing my fluid intake, increasing typically the fiber intake, and increasing my sweating through exercise and saunas. Like I want my body excreting toxins through all pathways mm -hmm. possible so that my toxic intake never is exceeding my body's ability to excrete. I mean, isn't... Uh but wouldn't you feel worse mentally though if you took something in, like if you just ate for, cause you were hungry and yeah. you knew it wasn't gonna help you at this point, wouldn't it just be like, fuck, well I just ate something that I, I well, don't, didn't want. On what scale, eat? right? Like I'm not gonna go and eat Doritos and Taco Bell, right? Right. Like, it's gonna be, if I don't, if I can't find something that's like meat and vegetables, I'm not gonna eat, right? right. I just, I wouldn't, I just wait. Or I had maybe have some like almonds or something. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's always a scale. And, yeah, I would certainly never go to McDonald's or something like, like that's just not even it doesn't even cross my mind anymore like and again everyone goes through that cycle of life where I can get away with this because I'm 19 or I'm 25 and like it's okay it's still not okay just because you can be six or eight percent body fat and eat McDonald's does not make it okay it's right like, your body's accumulating toxins with everything you do especially living in a place like New York City like your body's just you're breathing in toxins there's toxins in the air there's toxins in the water Every, everything right is yeah. toxic so you have to be really aware because if you exceed your body's ability to excrete toxins where does it go it goes into your fat cells and then your body doesn't want to excrete that those toxins again so it holds on to your fat cells so anyone who has a hard time burning fat oftentimes it's toxic burden so the first thing i do in the first what i call my first phase of fat loss decrease the toxic burden toxic intake right so i someone i'll have someone identify their lifestyle their, their nutrition intake and go well pull that out pull that out pull that out and like just get rid of whatever's toxic in their life. And sometimes it's as simple as like the deodorant, the toothpaste, the hairspray, the cologne, like that stuff, it matters, you know? Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's the, the air freshener in their car, like all that stuff is toxic. Like if, if, it's, if it's like a strong odor, it's, it's likely a phthalate, which is gonna be estrogenic. Um, so we pull that stuff out, we pull out anything in the food that's gonna be toxic. And then we say, okay, let's see what happens and give your body the ability to start excreting that stuff. Cause you know, your body has this, like you're not excreting your body's ability to excrete. Is it getting more difficult to pull those things out in terms of food, like your mm. toxins? Because um, I don't know if it's because of deregulation or things like that, because, sure. but it seems like food is becoming yeah. dirtier in the oh, water. Of course, man. I, I dirtier in the, the, the only evolution has to be we're gonna start growing our own foods, right? Like, I'm, I think in the next two years, I'll probably have everything grown myself. Ideally, I'll have a farm, um, maybe an indoor grow space for vegetables. Uh, I think that's just the, the evolution of it, right? Everyone's gonna have their own little greenhouse in the backyard that is, you know, air filtered air and the sunlight coming through the, you know, through the greenhouse, so. I'm having a hard time picturing you in overalls and a straw hat. Dude, I just, no doubt, man. Like, it's funny, cause I'm a, I'm a kid, I'm a, I'm a city boy. And like my dad's has a farm and through my whole life, I was like, I don't want to go there. Like I'm not, I don't want to go to a farm. And now like, now the, like the only thing I want to do is be yeah. on the farm. Do you hunt? No, I, I can't, I, I can't kill animals. I can eat them, but I can't kill them. It makes no sense. Well, that's, there's a disconnect there. You may want to explore that because I'm exploring it for right. myself, right? Like how much do you, so when, before you eat, do you take a minute to just thank the animal for giving his life? I don't, I, so, but I, but I do take a minute to pray. Yeah, and I always do but, that. And like the, the idea that that was once a living thing, is a very powerful uh, opportunity to learn. We'll and, talk about that a little bit more yeah. because my because I mean you've you've been talking more about mindfulness, which I love. Yeah. But you've really dove into this the last two well, three years. I, I think if I can't kill it, I shouldn't eat it. Like if I don't have 
like the sheer appreciation for this thing that's literally alive. Yeah. Like, how can I consume it? Hmm. Interesting. Like, I think I have to. I have to almost like express my gratitude and love to this thing before I kill it. Right. And be like, thank you. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like it needs to come from my heart. And like, thank you so right, much right, right. I get for giving it. your life. And then to actually physically do it makes it real. You'll appreciate the food that you're eating so much more. Like, as a culture, we're so wasteful. We throw so much stuff in the trash because we don't appreciate it. Like, oh, I'll just throw this piece of steak in the trash. Right? That was freaking. That was alive. So if you kill it, you think you'd still throw it away? Like, talk to me about, talk to me about, like, chewing your food now. Talk to me about how you enjoy your eating. Because when you were, when you were doing contest <laughs> prep, it was very, yeah, very different. It was about consuming. And even, even me now, like, I, I, I'm still, I find at times when I enjoy my food, I almost feel like my body looks a little bit better. Oh, but when I get, but when I get into these. So there's science behind that. Right. Like, that sounds woo, but there's science, right? right. So you're, you're talking you know, autonomic nervous system balance. So if I come and I just scarf down a chicken breast between clients because I'm, I'm busy or I'm sure. working. Well, what's the state of my digestive tract at that moment? What's the state of my nervous system inside my body? And if I'm in a state of high arousal, sympathetic stress, my body's, you're literally in a state of fight or flight. Your body's mm -hmm. getting ready to mobilize and move. Digestion is halted. So if I consume that, it's literally going to sit in your stomach and often putrefy. So your body's not ready to digest and absorb food. So in order to, to slow down and breathe and be thankful and be grateful or pray or whatever your mode of, of gratitude is, mm -hmm. uh, taking that five minutes or three minutes or five breaths will literally bring you down from this place of high sympathetic arousal, fight or flight into parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. So I recommend everybody do that. And you think about how we've evolved as a culture over thousands of years to pray before a meal. Well, why? Same thing, right? Prepare your body. Like say thank you for this thing that was once alive, that gave its life for you to, so that you could sustain and procreate. And uh, now you get to enjoy it and fuel your body and nourish your next mission or journey whatever and uh, so that's how it's just it's just a shift in like uh, enjoying flavors and just being grateful that this whatever even if it was a plant like what's the biggest change this is how did you feel because there, there's always this this um this epiphany I feel like when you read something sometimes or you experiment with something, you're like, oh my God, that's it. Why haven't I been doing this? Was there a major change that went on in your body? Maybe it was internally. Maybe it was how regular your body was, how you started resting. Maybe it was everything. But was there something specific that stuck out in your head when you kind of made this journey? This, this I mean, it, it, you got to admit that it's a, it's a 180. Oh, yeah. yeah it really sure. is. Um, yeah, man, it, it's how your body feels on a day-to-day -day basis. And so many of us don't know how our body feels. We disconnect, right? We're so busy being busy. We're so busy, you know, cranking up the radio as soon as we get in the car, turning on TV, doing whatever we can to not pay attention to our thoughts in our body. So as soon as I started like paying attention to my body, you can kind of get this overall sense of the tone. Like I have a little bit of anxiety here. Or I have a little bit of pain here. Or I have a little bit of pain there. And then you start paying attention to things. And I think that was kind of the shift for me is when I started to pay attention to well, why am I holding tension in my face? Or why am I holding tension in my neck? Or why am I up here? And you can start changing it, right? So mindfulness and paying attention to step one in awareness and, and making that progression away from it. As soon as I started paying attention to the amount of tension and tone in my body, I started to get a little uncomfortable with the reality of how big I was and uh, my posture was thrown off and I'd I eat and I'd be all bloated and, and you know, like just not feel well, like my food would sit in my stomach. So I was like, well, what would happen if I just slow down? And all of a sudden now I can eat the same amount of food uh, and feel better, or I can feel like I'm getting leaner, or I can feel like, um, you know, just overall, it doesn't affect you in a negative way. As a bodybuilder, I was so often tired from eating because it's like, you know, there's so much that caloric load is actually exhausting to your body. So uh, learning to just pay attention and, and feel my body and like take inventory of my posture, take inventory of my breath, um, just allow me to pay attention. And, you know, do you want to feel like crap? No, you want to feel good. And you have the ability to change that at any moment. So why not, right? Why wouldn't you? But, but how do you get into that, right? So I think a lot of people know that meditation is good for them and that, you know, it's they not want meditation for, but, for most people. But I, I know, but I'm, I'm saying that they, you know, mindfulness is good for them. I think a lot of it is a buzzword now. They see it on magazine covers. They see sure. it on, on internet. But they don't really know how to get into it. And, and maybe I'm one of them because I feel like that I'm, I'm a lot of times busy being busy. I don't eat. Sure. Maybe it's just uh, I'm, I was way into awesome. intermittent fasting before it was uh, a fad of recently, sure. you know. But like, the truth is, I don't think a lot of people know how to get in tune with themselves. So how did you like make that step? Like, how did you make those steps? Uh, well, so mine was out of necessity, or what I call necessity. So I ran into a situation, or 
numerous situations where I didn't like the fact that other people, or at least the story I told myself, was that other people were influencing the person I was. So we all have those people in our life that kind of row us the wrong way. And, you know, like, you know, who my, was sister, people? my sister, my wife, like, yeah. you know, the people who know how to push your buttons, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, gosh, I hate that I get angry with you. And, you know, I had a friend at the time who said, well, why do you let them do that to you? And I said, well, I don't, I don't let them do it to me. They do it. I'm like, no, no. Like, you let them. So, how dare he say that? Right. <laughs> no, no, but, no, 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 he's right. I was just kidding. Yeah, so then, okay. And then, so you start to take ownership for your, your actions, and you go, well, I have the ability to, to uh, respond rather than react. If I just learn to, like, breathe down and not have, you know, have that high amount of sympathetic, reactive, you know, uh, monkey brain, lizard brain kind of reaction, like, going after things. So that was kind of how it started for me. It was like, I hate the idea that I'm being set off by somebody. And, and through their words, and like that, I hate that someone has control over me. And a lot of us live that life, right? So that's how it started for me. But for the average person, just like taking a breath, one breath, you know. And I do this with my kids every morning. We do five breaths before we do anything. We're out of bed. We sit in my lap. We do five breaths. Um, and By the just, way, one of the best lessons you can teach them right there. I think oh, that's unbelievable. To sit yeah. for five breaths. Yeah. For you. Yeah. And because they sit in my lap, I can feel if they're moving. So like I'll just like calm them and we'll walk through, I'll whisper in their ear and they can feel my breathing into their... Into are their they always back. receptive to that? Or do they kind of want to, they're like, Daddy, no, I don't want to do this today type of thing. How do you feel? Now it's just part of it. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of it. You know, I, I push the five breaths now and sometimes yeah. I'm being 10 or 20, but um, yeah, in the beginning, they're like, what are we doing? You know, at the beginning, they were kind of curious about it. And then once they're into it and they feel like you can literally, and it's funny, as a dad, you get this, so you're a dad as well. This is like their, uh, how I deal with punishment. If you will, like not not a punch, but like you know, some kid like you're being bad. Go sit in the corner. Or you're being bad. Go to your room. Like I don't do anything. I'm like, no, hey, let's let's break. Like, hey, I'm like, hey, breath. can you just go take five breaths? And what happens? It's like diffuse. If they're running around being crazy, I'm like, hey, you know, Benjamin B, five breaths. And he goes, and he's like, and I'm calm. You know, I'm not being crazy anymore. I'm like God, it's a superpower. Like every parent needs to do that. It's literally like taking a couple of weeks in the beginning to teach them just to breathe and be present. So just to come back to your question, Zach, it, it's just that, right? It's like. And I said this to a friend of mine yesterday here in town. I'm like, hey, dude, how often do you breathe? He goes, I don't. Like, I'm like, okay, well, I want you to, to take awareness of every time you, you know, we'll give you, give them a cue. Like every time you sit, you stand up from your desk and every time you're about to come sit down at your desk and you just stop for a second, acknowledge the, the surroundings and it may be the light and it may be the air and it may be just <clears throat> your body, how your body feels. Mm -hmm. Take one breath and let it out slowly as you can. And just take your shoulders away from your ears, relax your jaw, relax your neck, relax your, your temples and face muscles, and just feel. Okay, I can do I can do one breath. Yeah. And if you, if you give yourself that external cue where you're doing it every time you get up and down from your desk, then it's it's achievable, right? Rather than going, hey man, I just want you to become mindful or present. People are like, what the hell does that mean? There was that mean. Right. Yeah. So you had like a quick fuse before? Man, so, you know, I, throwing my dad under the bus. My dad had, if you could imagine like the Tasmanian devil of, of, a, of a temper, like there's no one on the planet that has, has a temper like this. So that's what I grew up watching. Yeah. And like as a, as a teenager, man, like I, I, was, I had a terrible fuse, a short fuse. Um, and you know, maybe a blessing and a curse. And now looking at it from a genetic standpoint, I have what's called a comp T mutation. So I actually stay very, very level until I'm not. And right. then I, I can't, so it's catecholamines. Your body releases cortisol and adrenaline. And my body doesn't recycle them, so they say elevated. So I'm very prone to like, you know, I call it the Hulk smash gene, like Hulk no smash, Hulk no smash, Hulk no smash, Hulk smash, you know? Yeah. Um, so you just like go overboard with it and then you can't come back down. So you're always racing, you're amped up and like, that's a, that's a genetic mutation. So being aware of it and being able to meditate through it, like you're like, oh, I'm okay now. And I, I don't ever get like that anymore because I think the epigenetic expression of it, if you know epigenetics is like, you can control if that gene is expressed or not through exercise and meditation. I have no idea what epigenetics is. I just nodded Sounds like right. I did. Like <laughs> yes. exactly. well, it's, it's just the expression of a, a gene, little, right? So right. We all have genes and, and some of them are turned on or turned off based on our body's perception of our environment. Mm -hmm. So light can influence, exercise influences, diet influences, air influences, all the toxins influence epigenetic expression. So certain pathways will be turned on and off according to what our surroundings are being sensed as. So you could, it's just a preparatory mechanism to try to prepare you more for what you're going into, right? But I mean- it, you think of DNA as like turning on the transcription of a protein, yeah. which could be an enzyme, which could be something that just like prepares your body for what's about to happen. It's happening every second. I mean, I mean, listen, we all, I mean, 
I, I'm very open to discussing this because I'm, I'm kind of, a, as you always know, I'm just, I'm very honest with this sort of thing and I appreciate your honesty, but I still, there's still things that I battle with and I, is it, am I 50% better than I was last year? Absolutely. Am I better than I was the year before? By 100%, like every year and every day, I feel like it gets better and better. And that's part of my self-growth is awareness and mindfulness and gratefulness and, and, and all this stuff. But do you still find that, I mean, you said for a second, this is not me picking on you, but you're like, no, 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 I don't do that anymore. Do you feel like it's completely clean now? Do you feel like you've gotten to the point that's that when that happens, and I'm, and I'm sorry to ask this, but like, no, you, you know, me and your friends and I want to, I'm hoping this is going to help other people, you know? <clears throat> I feel like if I wanted to go there, I could go there. But why? But why even go there, right? I mean, that's... Right. And, yeah. and actually, this, this topic came up last week. Like, what if someone hurt your family? Well, that's a different story. Right. So the ability to, to control that. And, you know, you talk about this with a lot of guys in the military, right? Like, some of the guys come back from, from war and they say, well, they want to try to forget what they did. And the psychologist will say, no, 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 you do not forget what you did. You did what you did. But now you have the control, you have the power to choose to not do it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's a very powerful place to come to. Rather than the victim, like, oh, I didn't do it. Yes, I did do it. I'm very capable of doing that. I choose not to. And that's, once I've had that awareness, like, I just am in control of my ability to not. Rather than not being able to control what I do, I'm 100% in control of my ability to do it. And if I so wanted to go back there, I could. It's just right. not a fun place for me because usually ends up with something bad happening right, right. like in uh, you know the high school years or the post you know the college years i'm like i still want to go back there you don't want to be there yeah but doesn't your lifestyle now kind of help you out in terms of staying more on the mellow side of things because you're doing things that are more pleasing to you or more rewarding to you as you're going down sure. a path of trying to get people to understand that they're more powerful like if they are more mindful and that right. it's not it doesn't have to be all about going into a gym and training for just a, an aesthetic purpose or just for, you know, to be right. aesthetically pleasing? So life, I think, you know, to put it in the simplest form when it comes to exercise, life is this, this beautiful balance between, um, amongst the autonomic nervous system, between uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic stresses. So sympathetic being like, I want to be able to run as fast as I can, get as amplified as I can at will. And conversely, as soon as I can afterwards, I want to get down here and be into a meditative state. And so how do we do that? Right? Like how do we train both ends of that spectrum so that I can push really hard on a hard leg day or on the track? And how do I get down into a meditative state or play with my baby and, and still be able to, to go within those, uh, those extremes? And that's just called heart rate variability, right? So if, you, if everyone's ever, ever measured HRV, heart rate variability, that's just your autonomic nervous system's ability to switch up and switch down as quickly as possible. This, this kind of resilience that you're building, right? Like if, if I'm in a really stressful situation, how long does it take me to come down, right? Is, am I gonna stay elevated for hours and hours and then ultimately stress myself out, burn out my adrenal glands because my cortisol is just running on overdrive or can I get myself out of it as quickly as possible? That's health, that's a healthy nervous system. That's healthy response to your stimulus and your, your surroundings, right? And we can measure that, we can quantify that with something called heart rate variability. So they're just basically measuring the, the amount of variability between the strokes of the heartbeat, right? That's, and you can track that. There's gonna be, uh, we're starting to hear more about HRV. I mean, I, I, I remember- it's everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere now. I mean, uh, originally, I think it was Joel Jameson. Where I had him, he's releasing my podcast today, actually. Oh, just, he? Yeah, I just said, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, amazing. So I, I actually, I, I dove into his system first, and then I got into Bio Omega Force. Wave, BioForce. Yeah. Then I got into Omega Wave for about three years. Then I was talking the other day about O-ring. Yeah, Aura, Aura, or, or is it? Which is now, it's a, it's a ring that you wear. And it's measure. most accurate, because you actually have an artery going through there. So sure. it's, it's, it's more accurate than a wrist like a watch right it's probably about as accurate as a, as a chest strap yeah which i'm going to end up purchasing and i'm going to experimenting with but do you feel like that's where training is going to go? i mean roy roy mcelroy just won the other day on um at the uh tpc um oh god the players championship yeah i was with rory two weeks ago shooting a video with him down in uh jupiter don was showing him up yeah right yeah. Yeah, but I, I sat with him. I'm, I'm not I'm not his trainer, but I sat with him. I've known him. I played golf with him before, and I'm like, Rory, let's just have a cup of coffee and let's just BS for a second. I want to hear what you're doing. In the back of my head, I'm going, God, I mean, what are we gonna what are we gonna deal with? I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, because I'm emceeing this thing for Golf Channel. What are you doing? He goes, you know, I'm working with Omega Wave. I'm like, really? I'm like, so you're working on your you're looking at HRV? He goes, absolutely. Who are you working with? I'm working with Val. I'm like, really? Like, very impressive guy. Pretty much created it. I'm like, well, what are your workouts like? He starts going through it with me. I'm like, really? And I was so impressed, just his approach, focusing on, on his breath early on, 
focusing on diaphragmatic breathing. Sport that would be perfect for that, right? Perfect. But what's going on right, right now in his last seven events, he's had six top tens and one win. Right. So I mean, the guy's won almost five million bucks on tour already, and the season just started. It's, I mean, it's absolutely the next frontier of human performance. One hundred percent. Yeah, like one hundred percent. Its capability or or potential, I think, almost rivals that of anabolic steroids. Like the, the ability to to real time adjust your training so that your body is 100% able to absorb nutrients, able to recover, sleep better. It, it's, it's unbelievable. It, every day, imagine waking up every day and, 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 your, and your smartphone giving you feedback and saying, no, you need to be focusing more on skill today and not power and not strength, but you can focus on it. It basically breaks yeah, down those areas that you have to dive into. Yeah. It's like that magic pill almost where it's like, can you imagine waking up and knowing exactly what you're supposed to train? So now we're doing 24 hour with the, with the aura, right? Like you wear it around the clock. So historically just what you sleep, but now 24 hour HRV is very interesting as well. Cause you can just watch how your body's adapting throughout the day. Like is it getting higher or, or less, right? Right. Like higher, bigger HRV. Ideally, a good scenario in most cases. Well, I had a, I had a, not to not to interrupt, but before I forget, now I understand from a, from a performance standpoint, from an athletic based standpoint. But when we were talking the other day, and I was talking about dialing in some some nutrition work on myself, and you said get one of these auras. How do you feel like that? How do you translate that now? That I'm, that I'm unsure how to do. From looking at HRV, is it more of a uh, understanding your caloric expenditure? Is it more understanding how you metabolize nutrients? I mean, how do you? How do you sure, it'll, it'll tell you how you metabolize nutrients just based on it. You know, higher HRV is going to be more parasympathetic, mm -hmm. but just uh, it'll guide your so more parasympathetic, more fat burning at rest, right? So. If, I'm, if my body is recovering and my cortisol is lower, my body will burn more fat at rest. So how do we know that you're burning more fat at rest? Check it, mm -hmm. rather than guessing. Right, right. And if you're more sympathetic, we'll maybe manipulate because we know your body's burning more carbs at rest. So how do we get you maybe more glycogen repleted? We give you maybe slightly higher carbohydrates so it brings your cortisol down, allows your body to recover. So we'd use that specifically you know, to manipulate nutrition and, and training. It's, it's, it's awesome. I'm gonna how much are they? Uh, 300, 300 bucks. 300 bucks. Not bad. I'm gonna end up buying one. I'm gonna get one. But you should honestly think I'll about. I'll you guys it. up with a man. I'm actually invested in the company and I'm very, very well connected. Yeah, I mean that sounds. If amazing. we, you know what, we should, we should get. I mean, I'm wondering if, if we should get one and maybe do some work with him. Maybe do, maybe it's, maybe it's an article where Ben kind of, because I'm very up on HRV, but only in one capacity. I'm more into. What I used it for was athletic performance. Sure. So I don't understand yet how to translate that into more of a. Well, I think it's very subjective, right? Okay. I think nobody really knows. Like, so Mike Nelson, you know Mike T. Nelson? Is, I, I think I've heard of the so name, he, but I've never met him. He's a brilliant um, biochemistry guy, nutrition guy, who did his PhD actually in HRV and metabolic flexibility. He was just on the podcast last week or week before. Um, so, like, the correlation between heart rate variability and metabolic <coughs> flexibility. So, metabolic flexibility being your body's ability, ability to switch between nutrients at, uh, at rest. So, uh, he, drew a direct, he drew a direct correlation between high HRV and greater metabolic flexibility, which means ultimately burning more fat while you rest. Mm -hmm. So, and that just makes sense, right? Like if you're, imagine your heart's always racing, your body's always throwing out cortisol, like you're, you're running away from a lion. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Cortisol means likelihood of, of increased insulin resistance, less potential fat burning, depending on uh, cycles. Interesting. Yeah, so, I would definitely do that. That yeah, sounds really interesting. I mean, I, mean, I think there's a potential article and a way for him to get involved, even from a coaching aspect, because I think that would, that would be great for him. And I think it'd be interesting um, it'd be interesting content for us because I don't see anyone really diving into this yet. There's little articles There's discussing it. Not in bodybuilding, yeah. not no. in like fitness. No, nobody. That's where, like, even Men's Health, they'll put out an article like, this is what HRV is. And you're like, really? Yeah. Thank you. Like, no, I've read, I've read up about it, just like you said. Like, I've yeah. seen it scattered here and there, but nothing like... No, I'm putting together, like, a 10-page manual now. So okay. I could build a module on it. Oh, interesting. Um, just because, like, so that's how I'm building my business is, like, everything's modular-based and HRV is a big part of it. Like, so I just call it the autonomic nervous system and stress management because that maybe resonates people with more, uh, with more people. So, like, how do you manage stress? Well, your stress is directly correlated with your HRV. So if your stress is high, your HRV will be low. So teaching people action items to actually uh, intervene and, and modulate their stress first thing is, is walking in the morning, breathing, like the simplest stuff. And when I tell people to do this, they're like, what do you they're mean? Like, like, what do you mean? Yeah, that can help me build muscle. Yeah, exactly. I literally have this kid who's, who's massive and he's 21 years old and uh, you know, he comes to me and goes, man, will you please coach me? I said, no. <laughs> like, well, I know you would say that too. Why not? Well, because like you can't benefit from me, right? It's not worth your time or your money to come train with me because you're not ready. 
like you would do, and, and I said, we did one workout together and you did two sets and was laying on the floor like vomiting. And I'm like, you're, you're just not ready. Like you, you could benefit from any trainer at 24 hour fitness just as much as you benefit from me now. You have to prepare your body to be able to push it to that level. So I said, well, here, here's your next 30 days. I need you to walk every morning for 40 to 50 minutes. Every morning, outside, walk. That's it, just walk. And then you need to come home and do five minutes of breathing. If you can do that for 30 days, come back and talk to me. And then we can look at it, because like, this guy all yeah. rigid and stuff. And people think, well, it's just, that's like, because I'm tight. No, you're not tight. You're, no, yeah, you're, yeah. you're stressed. Yeah. Like, what does this look like? Like, like somebody's about to shoot me, right? My nervous system goes into high overdrive. So, um, you know, tell him, like, hey, man, those are two things you need to do. He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, that's your first, first month of coaching. It's free. It's on me. Like, I won't even charge you for that advice, right? <laughs> right? Did, he, did he do it or no? I'll let you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I presume not, right? Because yeah. everyone looks is looking for the supplement protocol. Everyone's looking for the set. And yeah, but, 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 but were you ready for that at 21? Think about if it. If someone in my place would have told me, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Like, if Dorian Yates would have said, hey, dummy, go for a walk. I'd be like, fuck, okay. Not it, that I'm Dorian Yates, but, you, you know. Like, it, it clicked on me overnight. Because yeah. I remember there was a point in my first 10 12 years of my career, 15 years of my career, where I was so like A-type driven. Like, it, like if the set, it was the set on paper, that's what I would do. But for my clients, sure. I understood I understood about calling audibles. And I understood about but assessing. Were you happy? Was I happy? No, not as happy as I am now. Okay. I, so there, there's, yeah. there's a lot of that stuff, right? Like, yeah. what's going on inside of here? You know, are you stressed? Are you happy? Are you healthy? Like, yeah. if you have a healthy nervous system, you're, you're way more resilient. Are you active? Good you're way more resilient right, right? It's, it's it's so much more uh, diverse and there's so much more resilience if you have all those things but most people aren't most people are overwhelmed and stressed and, and reactive and like on social media all day and that's the only place in life they get joy and that's an interesting conversation i like to talk about too sure. like where people bring joy into the life like actually intelligently designing like segments of your life to bring in joy to bring in like that autonomic response but uh, yeah most people are just just unhealthy all around. Yeah, but you understand what I'm talking about. The guy totally. went back in the day, you wrote the program out for it. He's like, I don't have access to a preacher bench. What do I do? And you're like, dude, relax, man. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you fucking oh, kidding me? Oh. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. Like, right. chill out. But that's what I'm saying. You, there's so many people out there that are like that. And there's so many readers out there that are like that. They read right. Ronnie's program and it's like, this is what I have to do. And the reality is not to bash. I'm not bashing the magazine, but no, it's far no, I, from what they need to be I'm, doing. They're, I, they're taking the wrong really, steps. I believe. But I've always said that though, like that it's, it doesn't have to be taken as gospel. Specifically, if you can't perform a move physically or if you don't feel ready to do something, don't do it uh, at all. You guys have written programs for different structures. Like I think there's so much value in this. So this is when I talk about writing your blueprint for your greatest body. Mm -hmm. Like you're not built like Don, you're not built like me. Why are you doing the same program? You're not yeah. built like Ronnie Coleman. Like and actually looking at a way to create an algorithm around like, hey, if you're this height and have these proportions, do these exercises or do these adjustments. Because that's how I would write the blueprint. That's why I think it'd take a long time. If you if you have these relative proportions, you need this. If you have these relative proportions, you need that. Because the exercise all fits differently. Not in that way, and I think that would be really <coughs> beneficial. Totally. Like, not we could, in that we could way. create three or four avatars and make it fit everybody. Yeah. You're probably even Maybe two or three per body part. That's now that's that's kind of what we were talking. I mean, listen, I write programs based off of the FMS, so I just I use the functional movement screening. If there's any red flags, they go into my PTs. The PTs run through an SFMA, and then we sit with the team and we say, all right, these are the movements based off of how they move. But we're not doing bodybuilding. We're you know we're looking at it from a joint by joint approach, and we're determining well. They got weird levers here and they shouldn't be moving in this pattern because he just can't get into that position because of the, his hips. And so those are the adjustments that we're making. But what you're saying, I think, is a little bit different. Yeah, it's, yes, there's that. Like there's certainly looking at like, why can't people get into these positions? Right. But it's, it's even like a step down from that, like movement aside, right? Not actually assessing movement, assessing structure, mm -hmm. which I think has to be the foundation of it all. Like, what is your body meant to do? In a perfect world, if you could move really, really well, no injuries, no tightness, um, what should your body be doing? What exercise selection should you be looking at? Because that's the foundation of everything, right? And then beyond that, then it's like, well, how do I set up for the exercise? So it's exercise selection and setup, because that's what's going to determine what's working. And the best example for everybody watching or listening is like, well, if I'm doing a bench press and my shoulders are rolled forward, my pecs don't stand a chance of working. Like it's literally an impossibility. Whereas if I roll them back, now they're going to work, and that that's a setup cue. And like that's there's, there's many within every body part. So that that's you know the foundation of it. And then beyond there, you go like, okay, do you have the ability to access the range? 
that you want to do. An example there is like, can you get your hand above your head? Right. Can't get your hand above your head. You can't work your lats or your pecs in most instances from that length of position. So uh, like assessing all of those things are going to be uh, necessity in program development. But it's so simple, right? Like it sounds complicated. It sounds like there's a bunch of things, but it's not. It's like, well, one, look at your structure. Two, again, this could be the same point. One and two, structure and setup is kind of the same thing. And then do you have the mobility to access range and then go. Like right. once you once you've got this, learn the skill and get after it. That'd be uh, that'd be an interesting um, yeah. article to do in the mag. It would. Where like train train for your different structure and you know, like you just said, you choose at three at three basic. I mean how, well, structurally what would you just do? Like would you say endomorph, ectomorph, no, no, endomorph, no, 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 type I think is like <clears throat> Obscure at best, right? Uh, I think it needs. It just comes down to like, like fire hydrants or like. <laughs> well, I don't think you, I don't think you can classify it that easily, but you, you could just look at like, you know, are your femurs so your upper leg from your hip to your knee longer than your lower leg? Right. Uh, are they shorter than your lower leg? Or are they the same? almost like a little questionnaire where you check check the boxes right. type of thing, and then yeah, or, cool. or not even that. Even that's if it was cool. like if it's one, two, and three, right? And if it's one, do these exercises. Two, do these exercises. Three, do these exercises. Here's the adjustments. And, and you know, for chest, like, are you? Do you have a flat sternum, an average sternum, or a, or a, or a broad sternum, mm -hmm. like a big sternum? Well, that makes a big difference. Sure. So, and like in how you should set up, like you know, someone with a really flat rib cage or flat sternum is never going to benefit from a bench press. They mm -hmm. just won't. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone like me can do bench presses all day and get a huge chest, right? Because I have a big rib cage, right? This this more like almost horizontal sternal angle, right? Whereas most people have a vertical sternal angle. And, them doing a bench press is a waste of time. Right. Well, they don't know that. Whereas if everyone, if you write a program in muscle and fitness and you go, hey man, do a bench press, well, who? Right. Right. Like you could do a bench press all day and get nothing but short, sore shoulders. Right. I could do a bench press. He could do a bench press and probably get a little more result. And it has just, it's just, it's just levers. It's just the way your body works. It was interesting because when I went down, it was at MI40 gym in Tampa. I trained with him and, and I love the approach because the first thing that he did was he pretty much assessed. So we threw a little bit of a screening on, you know, what movement, if we were doing a pressing, you know, if I was supposed to do a horizontal pressing one day, he actually assessed, well, is it incline, is it flat, is it decline? And I remember him kind of looking at my angles and where I was able to contract the best, and he brought me to a decline. He goes, this is where you're gonna be most successful. And let's, I mean, it was, I mean, obviously, I mean, we did what, four, four or five sets of it. The time under tension was incredible. I felt like I was completely present on every inch of the repetition. And the next day, my, my, my chest was, freaking fried I mean like I like, like I did volume training so it does work but it's also I think it's it's really sending off a message to people that they're not used to hearing and I think that's something that's interesting it is but doesn't it also follow the pattern of what you were just talking about with with the ring things are going to be now more spe specific to your needs yeah well, that's and, the future man and that's I mean yeah, yeah and that's a good thing because people won't be wasting their time they're going to see more results want to stay stay with it and it'll, it, you know because if you don't see results you're going to maybe start hating it, want to totally. leave it, quit. And, and you put the, the onus outside of yourself, right? It's the external locus of control. I can't do it. I yeah. don't have the time. I don't have the genetics. I don't have the, I don't have the nutrition. It's all bullshit. It's yeah. all the story you tell yourself. You absolutely can. Yeah. If, you, if you set a goal and you say, you know, Zach says, hey, man, I want to put on 20 pounds of muscle. Well, I don't know if I can do it. My mom was fat and my dad was skinny. And, like, you're coming up with all these stories. Yeah, it's already bullshit. It's all bullshit. Like, man. yes, you can. Like, and, and because genes are only kind of what sets sets you up, it's the epigenetics, it's actually what, you know, your environment that changes that, that has the expression of the genes. So even if you have the genetics to be fat, or the genetics to be skinny, or the genetics for muscle or not, like, that's only a very small part of the picture. And you find that all bullshit, right? When someone comes to you and they're like, well, does genetics have a play? Uh, well, so of course it does, yes. at some level, yes. right? Like, yes. some people are gonna have a genetic card stacked in their favor completely, and some people are gonna have genetic cards stacked against them. But that doesn't mean that we both, we all can't build right. a body that's amazing for us. Right, right. Like, right. if you would've saw me at 17 years old or 16 years old, it's funny, I'll tell you a story in a second. Um, when I first came to New York, the 1998 Mr. Olympia, I was 160 pounds. And I was like, I came to Mr. Olympia, I was like, Gosh, this is amazing. And everyone's like, Ronnie won that year? He did, first yeah, year. Yeah. Everyone's like, dude, you're never going to be a bodybuilder. And I was 160. Next year, I came back in Vegas, one year to the day, and I was 230. And everyone goes, What did you what do? Did happen? Yeah. I'm like, well, I started eating protein. I was completely natural. I was a kid. Like, I started eating protein, started training twice a day. I was a vegetarian prior to that. I was like, Body response. And like, well, did I have the genetics? No, man. I just maybe, like, but I had incredible persistence and resolve. I was literally training twice a day for 365 days. Was it smart? No, but at 17, it works. Right. Um, so, man, like, you have, you, you know, this, whatever story you have is the thing that's going to hold you back. There was nothing in my mind that was going to hold me back. I, I literally, at 16, I told my dad, I think it was 17, I said, Dad, I'm going to be on that stage one day. He's like, okay, son, you know, I'm sure he's rolling his eyes. But 
you know, when I, when I went to Olympia, I gave him my jacket and I was like, here, man, like I told you I was going to be here and, and, I, and I gave you this, this jacket to prove it. So that's awesome. Yeah. Story. Yeah. And was, I had a, I had a flashback last night walking into the boxing because I went to boxing at, at the, the, um, the theater at the garden. Yeah. And that's where they held the Olympia in 98. And it was like, I, I was you probably haven't walking, been back there since. I haven't been back since. Yeah. And I was walking up the stairs and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been here before. And yeah. I'm like, yes. Like, this is where I met Flex Wheeler, and this is where I met Ronnie Coleman, and I was like, oh my God, I feel like a little kid again, man. It was awesome. It was really what's that been like? What's that been like? I, I mean, I understand internally what it's done for you, because mentally, you're about as clear as probably you've ever been in your life right now, and you probably feel as good as you've ever felt in your life. But you mean, you're still holding a lot of muscle, man. I mean, you still look... It's not I, on purpose. Yeah, but, I, but I think you look great. I mean, I think you look great. I mean, I, I know, and I can see... Because I am a fan, I do watch you on social media. I see some days. I know you're doing new yoga. But I see you in their training. I still see it's in those eyes a little bit. You know, like. Well, so I realized, like when I'm in there, like anything, and I said just to everybody, like if you're doing it, do it. Yeah. Don't do it half ass. Yeah. Like if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna have the time invested in anything, do it. Like, do it. Do it as best you can. Give it 100. percent So when I'm in there training, I'm in there training. Like I, I trained Derek Lins for the, for the Olympia last year. He was a second place in the 212, uh, Mr. Olympia, and. Well, he comes into the gym in like June or something, and he goes, "Ben, will you train me for Olympia?" I'm like, "Yes." Here we like, go. <laughs> he knew he was getting into it already. He's like, yeah, "Damn it! I know I'm gonna be working Man, out." My, my weight loss is going really well. I was down at about 250, and I was. I was what do you weigh now? Probably 265. Okay. Um, but in four weeks, I went from 250 to 280, training five days a week, and that's it just like, like it. Just that, like, that's like people like, "Oh, what'd you take?" I'm like, "Nothing." nothing. I just trained. My body was bang. I was yeah. like, damn it, I was doing so well. And everyone else is like, oh yeah, tough problem to have. But like, it, I mean, it, it's a hard thing when for 20 years of your life, like your only focus is being the biggest, best human being on the planet. And now you're actually trying to unwind it. Uh, and it was going really well, but it always just keeps pulling me back, man. And, and when you're in the gym, like I said, like one, he, he came to Tampa to train with me. And I'm like, well, I'm not gonna just come and not train. And I'm there and I'm gonna show you who's the man. I'm gonna bury you every day. Like that was always my, my objective as a bodybuilder and after. So yeah, that was that pulled me back in a little bit. So for 20 years, you trained to be in the best condition that you could be in, to step on the stages and to be judged. But you know, which has to be tough psychologically. To, to I don't know how you would do that. Uh, I've never done it. But is it just as hard when you decide not to do it? When you decide just to, that you're done, and then you have to come down from it, and your you know your body is going to change because you're going to be you're not going to be training that There's way. There's a lot of layers there, Zach. So. Uh, early in my career as a bodybuilder, I did it because I loved it. I did it because I loved to train. I loved to push myself. Yeah. And that was uh, amazing. And then as soon as I became a pro, it shifted a little bit. Because now you, you're getting paid and you're not competing when you want to compete. You're competing when your sponsor says you have to compete. I had that conversation with a lot of young athletes. It's like, be careful what you wish for because when it comes, it changes things a little bit. And so, you know, toward, you know, I've been pro for five years at the time and like by that point I was like man I write into my contracts I'm like I'll compete when I want to compete because I started to lose the joy <clears> for it man like I started to lose the passion uh, and you have to have that like killer instinct you know I really want to have to go after it so that was a big shift and then you know kind of fizzled out a little bit for you lose that, you lose that purpose because the purpose is no longer internal now it's external um, and then as to, after competing um, the only thing that was hard, if, if I could say, I don't believe anything, life is hard, but the only thing that maybe was um, surprisingly challenging for me was the psychological unconscious habits of eating. So for 20 years, imagine you're constantly eating like, so for me to grow as much as I did, I was eating past satiation. Like I was eating past the amount that I wanted right, to eat. Like yeah. I was like, okay, I'm full, but I got another 300 calories to eat at this meal, like just keep putting it in. So. Now, I would eat much less often, so maybe two meals a day typically, but when I eat, I'll often go back and I'll resort back, like I'll set my meal on the table and have this like normal portioned out meal, and then I'll finish eating and I'm like, oh, I'll go find myself kind of mindlessly looking for snacks or like putting more food on my plate. I'm like, I don't need it, but you're, you're unconsciously... Um, are you hungry or are you just kind of no, looking for just really snacking? Just well, no, no, because my brain is used to eating past satiation, so I feel a little bit of satiation, but I'm not like full. So I'm, my brain goes back there. Stop that. So I just have to become more mindful of like right. being present and going, well, you don't need it. Just go about your business, you know, like maybe exiting the kitchen and walking away. And if I'm, if I'm aware of it, I walk away without, without cause. But some days you become mindless. You kind of become lost in your day and, and that you revert back to it really, really awesome. fast, really fast. So that's been, if there is a struggle, that's been the struggle is like breaking that unconscious habit of, of just eating to be the biggest human on the planet.
Yeah. Well, what? So my my, my next question, because I know we're 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 clicking down on, on time here, but this is I think you did a test. This is going to be the first of many. How often he shaved his head? Yeah. yeah. Here we go. We got to have one dumb joke out of him. <laughs> um, so what's on your agenda now moving forward? I mean, like like I said, it's been it's been fun watching you go off dart in one you know path in your career and get to a world class level. And then make a complete, in my opinion, it's a 180. Oh, I mean, yeah. your mindset changed more than your body. Yeah. And your body's changed my, a lot. Mindset was always changing. It was, yeah. just, it was just I kept quiet about it because like, right. I was going about my business. And um, yeah, so to answer your question, I really love the idea of becoming this catalyst for what I call intelligent muscle building, which uh, is multifaceted. It's like using muscle building as a catalyst to become a better person rather than to disconnect from your body as we talked about just before the interview. Like I love this idea of, well, tra you're gonna train every day. Most people are gonna train or do something physical every day, whether it's like yoga or, or running or cycling or training in the gym. Use that as a daily battleground to become your, your best self. So exploring your, your discipline, exploring the self-talk in your brain and, and like creating a positive mindset around it all. I think that is how you ultimately use the training to become the greatest version of yourself, become a great human being. And then the subcategory of that is like all of the other things that people aren't considering that go into building your greatest body. And I've created kind of this, this framework around you know what I call the six pillars of a lean, healthy, and muscular physique. I put healthy in there obviously very, very intentionally because health is, you know, healthy organism is one that will grow or respond the way you want it to, and that could be muscular or fat loss. So you're ultimately striving for healthy autonomic nervous system, just because we just talked about that. So heart rate variability, stress management, and autonomic nervous system, that's one pillar. And then we look at obviously training as being a pillar. We look at uh, sleep as being a pillar. We look at nutrition as being a pillar, mindset as being a pillar, and we look at your environment as being a pillar. All the things around you, so that's air, that's, that's light, that's EMFs. All those things are, are playing into your, your body's ability to grow, respond, um, have a healthy autonomic nervous system, and sleep and recover, so all those things play in. So if you can imagine like your body in the middle, this little avatar, and all these things happening around you, you have these six pillars around you, all impacting your internal state, right? So my internal state is ultimately the thing I have to change if I want to grow or get smaller or get leaner or whatever. That's what that's the internal state, right? So all those things are just vehicles for creating an internal response. So my training is just a vehicle to create an internal response. So most people when they train, I talk about this all the time on the podcast, most people are focused on what's outside of themselves. They're focused on how much am I lifting and how many reps do I do, how many sets I do. Well, it doesn't matter. All that matters is you've created the internal response. And if you're not creating an internal response, you're wasting your time. So taking an intelligent approach to what you do outside of your body to ultimately create the internal response. And luckily for us, we're, we're getting to the point now where we're starting to be able to quantify the internal response. Right, like we can quantify sleep, hooray. We can quantify the autonomic nervous system, hooray. Like we can quantify you know, how training is, is influencing our body, again, mm -hmm. with HRV, uh, and maybe even looking at uh, resting heart rate and capnography, which is the, which is the measurement of uh, carbon dioxide in the system. So we can, we can quantify these things and then you know, be more objective about it rather than subjective. One last question about yeah. something <clears throat> that we brushed up on earlier, but um, so with social media, I know it can be really negative for a lot of people, um, it can mentally affect them because they wish that they looked like somebody or they want that life in their heads, you know, because everybody looks like they're having fun. Because what you but, think it is. Yeah, because yeah, they're although they're probably not. Um, the easiest thing is to, you know, don't look at it, right? That's the easiest thing to do, yeah. like to say. But the, the other thing that Don and I talk about a lot is there's also a lot of misinformation on there. Totally. That, and we don't know. It's the best one of 300 selfies they took that day. Yeah, but how do you, like, what is it, how do you police it? Or how do you figure out a way to manage it? To, to I think we're gonna ask this question to, to everyone. everyone. I, because, because we don't, yeah, we need an answer. <laughs> we need I got one. my theories on this, but yeah, I definitely sure. want to hear we, it. But we also, we explore it a lot, because we're all, but I'm also interested in what other people have to say, is, is the best ways to kind of flag the people that are worth putting out information and, and ideas worth latching onto and the ones that maybe you don't, you know, you swipe left on or whatever, you get sure. rid of or whatever those phrases, I don't know. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, the idea of, of, you know, a drop of dye in a bucket isn't going to hurt anybody, but when you start continuously drop dyes, yeah. drops dye in the bucket, eventually the bucket's going to turn color, right? So I think it's always dose dependent. Like if, it, if it's like I'm getting a lot of it, well, that's a bad thing. So you have to be very aware of the drops of dye in the bucket. So you know, I'm, I'm very aware of who I follow and what I'm looking at and what my kids are looking at and 
I think social media has tremendous benefits. I mean, so I met this guy, right? Like, how do you meet great people? Well, choose who you're looking at and, and connect with people you have similar interests with. You just have to curate it, man. But yeah. some people don't know, like especially beginners who may not know, and they may be duped or they may be, you know, just convinced that somebody is, you know, an expert when well, they're really not. Sure, so man. I, I get it. That's a tough question to answer as far as like who's an expert because most people become an expert by the way they look, which right. is often very, very mis mis Oof. misleading. Oof. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the people who look the best are typically the people who have the greatest margin for error and, you know, just can make the greatest number of mistakes. Um, and I don't, I don't know if there's an answer for that. I think if you're getting your information on social media, you got bigger problems to worry about. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and. Uh, Bringing up from something, uh, uh, Lane, Lane, Lane Norn, I'm sorry, who I know you, you know Lane, right? I'm acquainted with Lane. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> he, um, I was following him on social media recently and I was looking at some comments because he, he's been butchering people. And, I, and at first I'm looking at it and I'm going, I just got wasting this time, man. Like, and I'm, it was almost frustrating me for a minute. And I, I actually, he was the one person, I, I Honest to God, I really don't read comments, but I was reading, because I was getting a kick out of people coming at him. And he turned around, he passed a comment and said, there's so much shit out there that it's, I'm doing society an injustice if I'm not policing it a little bit, to, to, that, to that effect. And I thought about what he said, and I said, you know what, I get it, you're, you're, you're in the fitness industry, call yourself what Who you want. Who made him God? Exactly. Okay. So Thank again, you. this is this may be a really big and I don't know. I mean, I, I laid on my podcast once. I don't know him from a hole in the wall. We literally had a thirty minute conversation. He was very pleasant, so I have nothing good or bad to say about him. But my thing is that why waste your time feeding that fire? Just ignore it, and move on. Well, You're we, gonna have that your... could be a whole podcast in yeah. itself. Like, and, and again, I don't want to speak bad about anybody, but yeah, why waste your time? There's yeah. there's deeper levels sure. to his issues. Yeah, right. Uh, again. Neither think, here nor there. I think sure. you should just breathe. You should take five <laughs> breaths. Well, no, dude. So hey, that, that's an unconscious uh, inadequacy, right? Like you, you're trying to knock other people down so you feel better about yourself. Yeah. It's dick measuring. Yeah. You know, to put it bluntly, yeah. like you're compensating for something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That, that's all it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, so and about the Corvette. <laughs> you can't, this joke's a terrible Kia Sorento, man, like, that's, you know, dude, whatever it is, yeah, right? like, yeah. that's, that's literally, like, what else could you possibly say? Why would you feel the need to yeah. play God and, and dismantle someone else's career? But these are problems going on. These are common problems going well, on in the industry right I now. I've followed them for yeah. that reason, yeah. man. Like, dude, you're, you're ruining people's life and you're, you're so <laughs> ignorant to and stupid to the fact that, like, it's not your fucking business. Yeah, like, who yeah. are you to play judge, jury, and executioner, man? Right. Well, I even I brought this up to Don once. Don asked a question that I thought was a good question for somebody. It was just why why do this move for a specific reason? And somebody just chimed in and was just like, you know, get out of here, ass, something like that. You know, just beat it. And it was nobody answered the question, but it was like so. It was I just was seemed, Listen, I'll admit once. I mean, I was I was poking for a second yeah, because but dude, but everything you, everything that, I knew the guy. Everything he was doing was absolutely wrong. Yeah, but, I hated his rib position. I hated everything he was doing. So I was like, way, yeah, yeah, I know because I'm because I'm smart about it. Yeah, and I knew he was gonna fire back. So that was just proof right right there. I didn't respond. He didn't fire back. Yeah, no, it was somebody. Else. Someone else did. But yeah, the whole thing was causing trouble, Don. But it was a good question. Got to get a poke. <laughs> once in a while. It was a good We're question. We're looking for content here. But it was a good question, yeah, though, dude. It was like, a, it was I thought a good it was a good I'm question. Like, and, no, like, was, that's why was I was question. like, hey, like, that's yeah. a solid question. And then to have somebody come in and just be like, you know, beat well, it. people are like, angry. You I know. To, you to I just, get it. I understand. But it's just like, that's I feel so like necessary. if you're doing social media to help better people's lives and be a positive influence, and I think that's great. I think once you start really, it becomes a lot more than that for yourself. I think you got to check yourself out. And I think blocking people is, you know, I guess sometimes the way I choose to do it, but. Um, it's, it, you can't block out all the bad people in life, right? Yeah. You, you're going to experience bad people in life. So learning how to kind of cope. And, and one of the best lessons I've ever learned in my life is when I was very young, I, I began putting people on a pedestal, you know, whether it be a bodybuilder or someone in my, in my circle or like, I was like, wow, like they've got all their shit together. Like, I just wish I could have that car. I just wish I could have whatever, right? And, and you get to meet them and you go, oh man, they're way more messed up than I am. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But yet they externally yeah. have their stuff together. So once you start to realize that, you stop putting people on a pedestal. Sure. Yeah. Like, I still aspire. Like, I'm like, oh, I really want, you know, I love that Don does this. I love that Don's able to, to, you know, 
be such a great guy all the time right. and smile all the time and feel like he's got joy. And hang out with but, but at the same time, like, I, I don't aspire to be Don. Of like, course I not. Mean, no. aspire to like, oh, no, like you want to be your best you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm like, I, you know, I love the fact that you're so, you're so full of joy. Like, I, want, I like that. But that doesn't mean I want to be Don. You no. know, and I think. No, but that, I think that's part of it also. You start surrounding yourself with people that you look at something from, and, and from you and you're like, wow, Ben Scott. I love how Ben approaches this, or I love how Zach approaches yeah. that, and you surround yourself with them because you, in a way, you want a little bit of that to rub off sure, on you, yeah. and you enjoy their company. Yeah. And I think that's great. It's I think just it's a, a daily reminder to pull up your socks, one, rather one. than other people who are just like, "Oh, I want to be like that guy." Well, right? No, don't you don't you don't no. trust me? Yeah. Like you don't. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're going through a lot more than you think, especially those people who are so into what they're doing on social media. Yeah. There's deeper stuff there, man. Yeah. Like it really is. Totally agree. I mean, it doesn't, yeah, because you got to own it all if you want to be that person. It comes with a lot more baggage than you well, think. Well, yeah, and that's you today, but like, be careful what you wish for yeah. because when it finally comes, it is sometimes a lot more than you bargained for. Like, you know, some of the people you work with, like, you can't, you can't expect, like, hey, I'm going to have one movie, it's going to be huge, and all of a sudden I can't walk down the street without being harassed. Like, you can't prepare for that. So be careful what you wish for. Mm -hmm. Because any, even with me, like I'm not a celebrity or anything, but you walk down the road and people stop you every few minutes. Yeah. And you're like, hey Ben, oh my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. And, you're, and okay, like be prepared for that stuff. And right. You know, if you're if you're begging for this social media exposure, so you're showing showing your booty on, like, careful because you're gonna get attention that you're looking for. Right. It just might right. not be the one that you're right. looking for. You know. All right, that's it. Thanks everybody for watching, and thank you Ben for being here. It was awesome. Please let us know where to find you so everybody can not watch us and watch, watch you instead. You. Exactly. I'm way cooler. Yeah. Way cooler. So, yeah. Way Social media is BPAC Fitness, BPAK Fitness. Uh, I've also got a podcast called the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, which is a great place to find me. Yeah, I literally watched it all weekend. I'm not getting around, and uh, I can't get enough of it. It's really, really cool. Thank you. And work. and this is our first of hopefully many sit downs because yeah. we have a lot to pick your brain about and I think Sweet. there's a lot that you can pass over to society here and, and, and very teach blessed them. to learn from some very smart people like you know, the world's greatest experts when it comes to health optimization uh, longevity cognitive enhancement on the podcast and I stand on the shoulder of giants. Now what I like about it too is that it's it's delivered in a way that it's digestible. So sometimes right. like you know that can be intimidating for totally. some, especially because <laughs> some of the topics are you know. Yeah, that's always my thing. It's like taking what this guy says and making sense of it, you know? Yeah. Because like, people don't care about the science necessarily, they care about the application. So that maybe if I have uh, an advantage on that podcast is because I've, I've taken a lot of the science and applied it. I go, okay, I did this and this is what I felt and this is this is how you guys may want to think about this and this is how you may apply it. And I, and I frame it around this, this uh, framework, right? So it gives people a little bit of an, an opportunity to start creating kind of, um, you know, a guideline on how, to, how all these things could possibly fit into your goals. But I like, there's both. So you get totally. the sign, but it's also, you know, given in a way that it's not, I don't feel like someone's just throwing words at me that I, you know, that I don't understand. It's broken down to where even really complex subjects between you and the expert you're speaking with are delivered in a manner in which it does make sense and I can piece it together. So really complex things are, you know, I walk away feeling like I have learned something. And then, because it's me, I immediately forget it. So write it down. I said that every, every See, podcast. I just learned something. We're going to close out on that one. Guys, till next time. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again, Ben. Really, it was awesome.